unexpected, unexpected today to um, be just like this instead of with the music down there. So thank you for your patience with us. Good morning, as many of you know me. Um, my name is Rob, um, and I get the opportunity to, to speak to you all today. Um, so the reason why Anthony's not here and, and what he wanted me to kind of pass on to you all today was that he was scheduled um, to teach this morning. Uh, but due to an unexpected event, this week I'm teaching. Uh, many of you know that um, Anthony's son was diagnosed with uh, type 1 diabetes. And because of that, there's a greater risk that his other children have it as well. Um, on Friday, this just this past Friday, during a biannual test at the University of Florida, uh, they, it was found that Addie, um, Anthony and Corinne's youngest daughter, is in the early stages of developing type 1 as well. And so because of this, and the host of medical insurance issues they're going to be dealing with over the next week. The team talked and decided to give him the weekend off to focus and be with his family as they prepare for and figure out kind of what are these next steps uh, in her medical care. And while the, I, obviously it's going to be a challenge for the Orzo family, Anthony wanted me to let you all know that they are truly resting in the grace of God um, and the care for Addie and the rest of the family as well. And they'd certainly appreciate your prayers over these next weeks and wanted to express to you how appreciative that they are of being a part of this amazing church family. Um, Anthony, I did talk to him yesterday. He's going to do a, um, a video a little bit later in the week just to kind of update you on the process. Um, so be prepared and, and look for that on Facebook. So while, while, and while this Sunday was kind of unexpected, we had already planned for Anthony um, and his family, he had already planned to be gone the next two weeks on their yearly vacation. So Really, over these next three weeks, we're going to look at dealing with this topic of the unexpected. Um, and, but we're going to do it in reverse. You see, in some ways, it would make more sense to kind of start with looking at how do we prepare for the unexpected uh, and then focus on response. But we're going to go backwards. Um, we're going to begin with the response of how do we respond to the unexpected events in our lives. And then we're going to look at two principles of preparing for um, unexpected events. Um, as if to say, this is the response, but in order to get here or to better prepare for, for responding to unexpected challenges and events in your life, um, what are those things that we can do to prepare for those? And so we're going to get to those in the next couple weeks. Um, and wanted to also say briefly, um, as, as we prepare for that, that those, the next two weeks we're going to look at is, is this idea of rest uh, and something that I've begun to start to implement in my life. And then an idea of, of the, the third Sunday we'll be looking at relinquishing control. And, and again, not necessarily some form of, of just, you know, trying to work up, giving up control, but just a daily process of intentional intentionality that's full of grace. So don't be, uh, I want to encourage you not to be concerned about these next couple weeks. Um, I think it's going to be an exciting time together. So as we think about unexpected events, first, you know, you probably didn't expect to see me in my home today. Um, the books might be a little different behind. Um, there probably are some similar ones in, in Anthony's office. Um, but it's, it's unexpected. Um, as I think about this word unexpected in my life, I think about the work that I did for four years at a hospital when I was a chaplain. And um, I was at a, a, a large hospital in the San Antonio area, and we had unexpected events all the time that came into the trauma room. We had 
unexpected car accidents, uh, unexpected fires in people's homes, uh, an unexpected fall of, of maybe an elderly person, maybe an unexpected diagnosis. And I would see and I would minister to family members um, that came in to see their loved ones. But unexpected events happen in, in settings that aren't necessarily traumatic as well. Um, you may have gotten unexpected news about your job or maybe a, a family member. Um, if you're like me, I didn't expect to be live streaming um, this year for so many months. I didn't expect to not be gathering in the Hollywood Theater in, um, in, in Port Orange. I didn't expect that we would, our lives would have been changed so drastically. Um, and so there are unexpected things are happening. And, and just wanted to kind of point to that as well. I know you guys have gotten some um, and responded to some surveys over the past couple weeks and wanted to let you know that even as, as we're living in these unexpected times, uh, we are planning. And, and we have planned for uh, an outdoor gathering um, the first and second weekend of August. More information will be coming your way. So even in these unexpected times, there are, there are things that that we have to change and that we're changing as we're living out 2020 in, in, a, in a way that I would have never fathomed that we have lived, that we would have been living. So how, how have unexpected situations impacted you? How do they impact your life uh, right now? How do they impact your relationship with others and ultimately even your relationship with the Lord? Now we talk in depth about the, the fact that God uses different experiences to show us his work in our lives and the lives of those around us. The question is, how do I respond? So I want to encourage you in two ways today. And we're just going to look at two, two responses um, to how to responding to unexpected events in our lives. And we're going to open up the scriptures together. We're going to read some portions of, of scripture together. Um, but the ways that we're going to look at is responding in humility and then waiting in expectancy. So that's kind of our, our focus today. As we look at unexpected events, um, we're going to look at responding with humility and waiting with expectancy. Now, it would be easy to sit in front of you today and simply tell you to have more faith if something unexpected comes your way. Or to tell you just to, just to trust. Just to trust more in the Lord and, and in Jesus. And yes, those are true. Yes, I should have more faith, and, and God is working on my faith and growing my faith and, and my trust in, in the Lord. But simply telling you something like that is not necessarily simple. And if you're like me, those messages, I, God has been gracious, and I've heard many of those amazing messages in the past. But if you're, if you're in the midst of that unexpected event, you might feel frustrated if you don't have that growing faith that, that you that you would desire, or you might feel frustrated if you're saying, but I don't, I don't know how to trust more right now. And so instead of just kind of giving you these, those great principles, I want to encourage you simply this morning to, to focus on Jesus as these unexpected events come. And, and first and foremost, to respond in humility. Now let's look at, we're going to look at one unexpected event. Now this is not a a negative actually unexpected in, in scripture. This is actually something that would prove to be a significantly positive event, but it was still unexpected, and there were still some challenges associated with it. Now, if you, if you, as you've read the, the scriptures in the past, you've, you've probably heard the name the Apostle Paul, but earlier in his life, he was named Saul. And as you read in the early book of Acts and in the early um, verses of Acts, you read about this man, Saul, and he had a really um, profound 
impact on the early church in a negative way and, and was persecuting the church in, in significant ways. But we're going to look at Acts chapter 9 just for a little bit. I want to read this uh, a passage, a portion of this to you about Saul and this, this unexpected event that he has on, the, on his way to, to a city. Meanwhile, it says in chapter 9 verse 1 of Acts, uh, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters of the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why, are you why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what to do. And then in verse 9, it says, For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. So here we have this man, Saul, a persecutor of Christians, somebody who actually was at the stoning of Stephen, somebody who was a, 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 just a bad guy. <laughs> and, and notice this, in this time, as he's going to Damascus, the first thing we see is he hears directly from Jesus. If you've got a, um, some, of the, some copies of Scripture, I don't know if uh, on your phone app or whatnot, but the words of Jesus are often marked in red. And so we have these words that are marked in red and says, Saul, Saul, why, are, why do you persecute me? So he, he hears directly from Jesus himself. Now, I don't know about you, but in my life, if, if I hit this unexpected event, call it a road to Damascus event, I would love to directly hear the, a verbal auditory, auditory, is that the right word? Voice of, of Jesus. And, and I know that, that sometimes as I've read scriptures, and you know, because some people will say, well, well, just read the Bible. Yes, and I, I, as I've read scripture, sometimes there are verses that are just so encouraging to me, and sometimes there are verses that are, that are just really hard. And maybe you felt that way in your life as well. So often when I, when I am hitting these unexpected events, even though maybe I don't get the opportunity like Saul did to hear the actual words, auditory words of Jesus, I can go to scripture and I can, I can read the words of, of, of the Lord. I can read those red letters in, in these passages, and I can hear directly from Jesus himself, from the Word of God. And so, so there are passages like, like you'll read in John 3.16, For God so loved the world. And I don't know about you, but in my life, when I hit an unexpected event, and something happens that, that I wasn't anticipating, that's a, that's a powerful, encouraging passage. For God so loved the world that what did he do? He gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Luke chapter 9, verse 48. I love this. Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. Whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For he who is least among you all, he is the greatest. And I love these passages that focus on the faith of children. Because I, I, I remember when I hit unexpected events, and I want these complicated answers sometimes. And sometimes Jesus says, no, come to me as a child. Welcome, welcome these children, but also come to me in, in faith. Mm -hmm. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. What does it say? These are the words of Jesus. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. I'm encouraged when I hit these unexpected times that there are those that are going out that are, um, that are going out to, to share the good news of Jesus. And sometimes I need to hear that. I need to hear that gospel message 
in a fresh and new way. And I know that God is, is sending people out into the harvest. Mm -hmm. Luke chapter 12, verse 32 says this, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Again, unexpected times. I can hear the words of Jesus, not like Saul did maybe, but I can go to the scripture and I can read these red letters and I can know that these are the words, this is the encouragement from, from my Savior. And then Luke chapter 18, verse 16, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Mm -hmm. These passages I've, I've mentioned about children are encouraging to me because they remind me of this first point, this idea of responding in humility. Now, some might confuse this idea of being childlike with, with their faith and being childish. But if you've ever had the chance to lead a child to Jesus, it's, it, it is simple in the sense of, of sharing the good news of Christ because their faith is simple. Amen. It is childlike. Amen. I remember when I was a youth director in my first ministry job, uh, I had the chance to work with children in an after-school program. And I had the chance to collaborate with a, a group called Child Evangelism Fellowship. And they came in and they equipped our leaders at, at the church to share the gospel um, with children. And it was exciting to see the simple faith of Jesus through these little these children that made decisions to trust in him, to trust in Christ. They didn't understand terms like sanctification or propitiation, but they wanted to know Jesus. What words of Jesus encourage you? Let's return a moment to Saul. Saul was at the stoning of Stephen. He was, he was a, 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 an evil man. He was not good. But Saul unex, unexpectedly encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus. And how does Saul respond? Does he respond in a prideful way, saying, well, I am Saul. You know, I don't know who you are, but I'm... he doesn't do that. He responds in humility. Jesus gets his attention. He says, Saul, what are you doing? Why are you persecuting me? He gets his attention, and in humility, Saul responds. And we see this in Acts chapter 9, verses 17 and 18. In this conclusion of, Paul's inter of Saul's excuse me, interaction with Jesus, it says this in, in verse 17 of, of Acts 9. Then Ananias went to the house of, and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. In humility, Saul responded to the words of Jesus. He responded by, by receiving this, this gift that God had given him, by, by receiving the Spirit of God, by being able to see again. Um, even with... Again, even Ananias in and of himself responded in humility because Saul had, again, a pretty poor reputation. And you read that in, that in that previous part of chapter 9. And again, you might be thinking, well, yeah, I, I would respond that way too if that happened to me. But each day, we have this opportunity to respond to the message of Jesus with humility. When the unexpected comes, however it looks in your life, it's an especially good opportunity simply to walk the path, as Saul did. The path that was ahead of him as he was on his way to the road of Damascus to walk in humility, to humbly, to simply look to Jesus, just as many children all over the world do when they're introduced to him for the very first time. Unexpected events occur in our lives, and sometimes they're more challenging and they can even be devastating, 
But the first encouragement I want to just propose to you today is to simply, humbly, act in humility and look to the Lord. Um, and so that's just kind of the, the first thing. The second thing is, is I want to encourage you that as we look to the Lord, we can wait with expectancy. Last week, Anthony was talking about our identity in Christ. And as we walk with Jesus, I still, I don't know about you, struggle with aspects of simply being human, being in this, this body. And yet, even in the struggle, there's hope that we have as followers of Jesus that others don't have. It's a hope that reminds us of the reality that we are not created to, to just to survive on this earth for all eternity. Our bodies are, are, are wasting away. They are deteriorating. And we're reminded of that. And yet our identity is with Jesus. Our longing is to be with him. And so this waiting is really, it's a twofold process. It's waiting for those things that, that the Lord wants to fulfill on this earth. And it's waiting for that day that we get to stand before him. So waiting is, is, is realizing that as I wait, there are going to be things that the Lord is going to want to do on this earth with me and through me. And, and those are they're going to be challenging times of waiting. And yet the ultimate waiting is that someday I will get to stand before the Lord. And scripture talks about having a new body and that we're going to be in a new heaven, new earth. It's going to be amazing. But I have to wait. But what about waiting here during this time? Because I don't know about you, but, but waiting for me is hard. In the military, we had a phrase that seemed to define our lives as, as members of the military. And that was this, this phrase, hurry up and wait. You see, what we would do is we would go, go, go. We would get somewhere, and, and then we would get there, and we'd hurry to get there, and then we would wait for the next point of, of and we'd wait hours. Okay, I'm not just talking like, you know, five, ten minutes for the airplane. We would wait hours because, uh, because of the massive amount of movement, you know, we would arrive to somewhere like three hours before the event because we'd have to have a, you know, an accountability formation here, and then we'd have to go here and have another one. So, so we'd hurry, 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 and then we'd wait. And then hurry, 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 and then wait. And that was the life of, of kind of being in the military. And waiting can be hard when we're dealing with these unexpected situations. And maybe you've experienced that in your life, this idea of you're hurry, hurry, and then, and then all of a sudden there's this waiting period. And, and you might not have answers yet of, of what you're waiting for or what waiting looks like. Maybe you think of a, and we'll look at this a little bit more detail in just a minute, but maybe you think of, of the, the passage, if you're familiar with the, um, the story of Lazarus. And, and Lazarus, his sister said, if you had been here, then, then things would have been different. Has that ever been something that maybe you considered? If, if you've been here, if, if, if you were here, then something would have been different, Lord. If you showed up, then things would be different. And yet, the timing wasn't, the timing wasn't right yet for the Lord, and we'll, we'll look at that in a minute. So waiting is, is hard and might be confusing. There's one example that I do want to look at before we get to Lazarus, and that's an example in the Old Testament. Excuse me. This came to my mind as I was, as I was prepping this. If you recall at the end of Genesis... What you have is you've got um, Joseph and his family, and they have now, they have now made, all, made their way to Egypt to survive a famine. And so they're all in Egypt, and, and Joseph is in, in this position of authority that God put him there. Great story, by the way. If you've not um, familiarized with yourself with the story of Joseph, I would strongly encourage that. That man was a very patient man as he waited for the Lord uh, in his life. 
But but in Exodus, we have this this start of 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 this new nation, basically that's that's being built up. Um, but they're they're in Egypt, and and so if we look at we're going to look at Exodus chapter one, uh, verses six through thirteen. So if you've got a Bible, if you've got your app, I know you're watching on your phone maybe, but maybe you have an iPad or something, but pop open that app if you want or, or grab a scripture near you. Um, but Exodus chapter 1, verses 6 through 13 says, Now Joseph and all his brothers and the, that generation died, but the Israelites were fruitful and multiplied greatly and became exceedingly numerous so that the land was filled with them. Then a new king, who did not know about Joseph, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become much too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, and they will become even more, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor, and they built Pithom and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. This short passage from, from the end of Joseph's death to this rise of this new king was more than 200 years. And if you remember, after the birth of Moses, it's still going to be quite a while until the nation of Israel is led toward the promised land. And we'll talk about that as well. So think about this time of waiting for the nation of Israel. Clearly, this was not simply one individual waiting for dealing with something that was important in their life, but this was a nation that was waiting for the promises of God to be fulfilled. Notice as well, God was present with them in their time. Okay, in, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, this is what we read. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. God was present with them in the midst of their waiting. He heard their cries. Those times when maybe you're, you're waiting and, and, or something unexpected happened and you're in that waiting period and you're crying out to the Lord and you're saying, Lord, when are you going to come and when are you going to take care of this, whatever this is? Remember, he hears you just as he heard the nation of Israel. He hears you as you cry out to him. Again, it's years after this as they're continuing to wait. Clearly, this was a, could have been, this was a challenging time. We see the plagues then that, that shows God's power against Pharaoh. We see his presence of a cloud by day and, and fire by night as they're walking through the wilderness. God never left them. He heard them and would eventually rescue them. But there was a significant amount of waiting. A significant amount of waiting for the nation of Israel. But there are times that, that maybe you, you're, you're in that waiting period. You know God is present with you. Uh, and, and there's this long period that you're not quite sure where it is. But other times, you know, God does the miraculous. If you've, again, got your scripture in John chapter 11, we see this, this amazing story of God doing the miraculous in, in John 11, verse 17. This is the story of Lazarus. On his arrival, so, so just to give you some background, um, Jesus was away and, and, and was called back because he had heard that Lazarus was sick. And he, he specifically stayed away. Um, but on his arrival now, it says in verse 17, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles uh, from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss of their brother. 
When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And then verse 38. Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. And then verse 41. They took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you for which that you have heard me. I knew that you will always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they might believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud, loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with streaks of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. The impossible. Lazarus, awakened from the grave. There are those that, that might suggest that Jesus will always do the impossible. It just You just have to have more faith. Well, clearly faith in Jesus is important, but the decision to do the impossible does not belong to me. It doesn't belong to us. The decision to do the impossible, the seemingly impossible, is for God alone to make. Do we ask? Yes, we ask. We, we take our petitions, our, our, our prayers to him, and we ask, do we trust? Yes, we trust. And then we wait. We wait not knowing how. We wait not knowing when. We wait not knowing how Jesus will answer our prayers. But we wait with expectancy that he can but does not always choose to do the types of things that we would so desire in our lives. We wait with that expectancy. Just as the nation of Israel continued to move in their desert wanderings, as they continued to be led by the Lord, cloud by day, fire by night, so we continue to live the lives that Jesus gave us to live. And we wait. And let me tell you, for me, it's hard to wait. I used that example earlier of hurry up and wait. It's not hard for me to be busy. It's not hard for me to go, 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 go and hurry. It's not hard for me to do stuff, whatever that do is or whatever that stuff is. It is hard for me to wait. It is hard for me to wait. And that's what God calls us to do. Unexpected events, unexpected situations, life experiences are going to happen in our lives. So over the next couple weeks, we're going to look at two principles that are going to help us prepare for those experiences. But let me encourage you, as you face these unexpected events, timing is un unknown. We don't know when they're going to happen, hence the term unexpected. In both good experiences and challenging experiences, we don't necessarily understand God's timing. And so the encouragement is to face these experiences, whatever they, wherever they come, whenever they come, with humility. Open up to those red letters in Scripture. Read the comforting words of Jesus. And just as little children, respond to the gospel, the good news of him in our life. Respond to Jesus with humility, recognizing the, the mystery that is a part of following Jesus. And then face these experiences with expectancy. 
even though we don't know the timing, we can know that we are not alone and that Jesus is still working. As he led the nation of Israel through the desert, as he, as he, as he met Mary and Martha in their time of need, as he raised Lazarus from the dead, we can be assured that he leads in our desert times. He might show way up in ways that we could not have imagined. But let me encourage you to pursue these opportunities, these times with humility and with expectancy. Let me pray for us. Lord God, thank you for today. Thank you for your presence in our lives, even when we don't understand, even when I don't understand, Lord. When these unexpected situations arise, Lord, Lord, we do pray for Anthony and, and Corinne and the family right now. Lord, that over this next week, these coming weeks, Lord, that you would give them um, wisdom. Uh, Lord, that you would give them the peace that comes from you. Lord, that you would continue to remind them of your presence as they, as they walk through this unexpected journey, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the Restoration Church family that is, has, is so encouraging. And we thank you, Lord, for Anthony and Corinne's faith and their trust in you. And we thank you, Lord, for those whom you've put in our lives that can encourage each of us. Lord, whether they're a part of our church family or, um, or a regular family or who knows, Lord, that we're thankful for them. Lord, I pray that as we go through these days, Lord, even with this unexpected um, event happening in the year 2020, Lord, we just... Lord, we just go and we pray that, Lord, you would lead us and, Lord, that we would respond in humility, looking to you, and, Lord, looking to you with expectancy, knowing that you are with us and that you will never leave us. And we give you the praise for the work that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Just as a, a reminder, you know, what our three key core values, you know, gospel community mission, um, the gospel of, of Christ is, is for all. It's for, it's for those who, who don't have any relationship yet with him, um, but it's also for us who walk with him each day because to be reminded of the good news of Christ and his grace mm -hmm. is, is so important each day. The fact that we live in community, if you're not connected to community, uh, let me just encourage you to, to connect, um, to find a way to, to connect, whether, um, whether that's through Zoom um, reach out, call the church office, send an email, um, and say, how can I get connected? Because community is a vital part of who we are and what we do at, at Restoration. And then mission. And the reality that you live in a, a neighborhood, you might still be working, you might be working via Zoom, but you are still on mission. Mm -hmm. And even if, even if your interaction with your coworkers or family or friends is, is through the Zoom screen, um, you know, God, you are still on mission. And what an awesome opportunity it is to be on mission during these times. Thank you for continuing to, to give. Um, there will be a, um, hopefully, um, maybe we can have somebody put the, the link in the Facebook Live. That would be great. Um, but thank you for your continuing to give to, to the, the ministry. And, and as you go, as you continue to, to live these values, uh, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord give you peace. Amen and amen.